You're listening to Pim Talk, the product marketing podcast, brought to you by InRiver. Welcome to PIM Talk, the podcast for product marketers, merchandisers, and PIM professionals. And every second Tuesday, we come together to share knowledge, experiences, and challenges to be able to create even better product stories. Maybe you're wondering what PIM is. PIM is a software that is all about managing all product marketing information in one place to create a rich customer experience in all channels and shorten time to market. And if you're new to PIM, check out our first episode, What is PIM? I'm your host, Thomas Schwabberg. I'm the creative director at InRiver, and we want to do this podcast for you and with you. So please contact us and tell us what topics you would like us to cover, what guests you would like to have on the show, or maybe you want to contribute in any way. So you can email us at pimtalk at inriver.com or send a message on Twitter at pimtalkpodcast. So if we look at the previous 50 episodes of PIM Talk, uh, it has been regular podcast episodes and sometimes also it has been uh, live shows on stage that then we have sort of edited down to podcast as well. But uh, now we tried a new thing. So this episode is actually recorded as a live stream on YouTube. And thank you everyone that joined us and also asked questions. So you can expect there to be more of these. So I'm looking into setting up a regular time on Thursday afternoon, uh, European time, Central European time, 4.30, and uh, that is 10.30 a.m. Eastern time, for instance. So we're looking into that and um, hope you will want to join us. And for this first live stream, I was very happy to have a real professional with me, uh, Lee Oden, and we talked about SEO, about content marketing, B2B influencers, and how they relate to PIM. So I hope you will enjoy it, and I hope that you will show up uh, for the next live stream. Here we go. All right, we are live, and welcome to PIM Talk uh, live stream this time. And I'm very happy to have Lee Auden with me here on the stream. Welcome, Lee, to PIM Talk. Thank you, Thomas. It's great to be here. And uh, I mean, this is the, the first live stream version of PIM Talk. PIM Talk is the, the podcast for product marketeers, PIM professionals, and, uh, and everyone that is interested in how you can sort of sell and market your products in, in a better way. And, uh, and also, I mean, during the stream here, if you have any questions, you can put them into the chat. We will take most of the questions later on in the stream, uh, but uh, also we might do some shout outs uh, along the way. So uh, really happy to, to have uh, everyone here today. And I hope that you will enjoy sort of this form of PIM talk and also intend to do it this way from now on. So it's new times and uh, new concepts. Uh, so, so welcome, Lee. Um, maybe you could start just telling us a little bit about yourself, what, what you do and uh, whatever you want to throw in there. Okay. Well, I'm happy to be the, the first for your live streaming. That's pretty cool. Um, I've, I've uh, had a chance to be first, uh, person for doing a variety of content formats over the last couple of years. So, uh, this is exciting and I'm sure this is going to work really well for you. Um, so I am the CEO of a B2B content marketing agency called Top Rank Marketing. Uh, we're 
going to be 20 years old uh, next year. And we focus on creating content experiences that inspire people. And we do that for B2B companies, mostly technology companies, through a combination of content, uh, influence, and SEO. And uh, companies, uh, for example, that we might do that for, uh, that we are engaged with, include Dell, SAP, LinkedIn. Um, we've done projects for Adobe and Oracle and so forth. So um, very B2B focused, very content ex- uh, focused, and really trying to raise the bar on what a B2B marketing experience is actually like. So we're doing a lot of audio, video, interactive content, and even some experiments with virtual reality. Oh, cool. We'll get back to you on that because that is also one of my, my personal interests. So let, let's dive down into the virtual world as well. It's going to be really interesting. So, I mean, some of these things that you're talking about has been around for, for some time. And uh, it could be interesting to, to talk about how, how these different things also relate to PIM. So, I mean, SEO really started a long time ago. I know myself when I started with the internet in 94, I think, uh, a few years later, uh, you know, Alta Vista came and you worked with keywords and everything, trying to get your pages to rank more or so. So you've also been working sort of with with SEO for, for quite some time. And I know also in 2012, you, you wrote a book about SEO and content marketing and this. And I guess a lot have, has happened since then. So, so I mean, right now, what, what is the most important thing today if, if you want to have a good SEO ranking for your pages and, and your products? I think, I think today it's really about meeting user intent with uh, relevant, um, you know, engaging content that is supported by signals of credibility. Um, there's also technical considerations, of course, things like page speed, mobile friendliness. Um, so you kind of have these two sides of the coin in a way. Um, it no longer can you rely on just keywords and links. And, you know, by the way, it's it's a, a treat to talk to someone who has been exposed to the world of SEO and search engines longer than I have. Um, okay. Uh, you look like you're 25 years old, so I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually on Friday. I'm getting 45. So, yeah. Okay. Well, happy birthday in advance. <laughs> it's all the filters. It's all the filters here yeah. <laughs> put on the video, right? <laughs> so, yeah, like Alta Vista, Hotbot, Lycos, Excite. Those were the days where you could just... Um, you know, pay, you could pay Ink to me, uh, to crawl your site. And then it was syndicated to AltaVista or other sites. And you could instantly see your SEO handiwork and you could reiterate really quickly. And of course, today it's, it's a bit different. So, um, I, you know, since we cannot just focus on getting links and putting keywords and title tags and an anchor text between pages and on the body copy only anymore, um, it's, I think one of the most important things is to create signals of engagement. Um, that means click through rates on your search results. Uh, that means, you know, time spent on the page after that click through things that can be cookied by Google and uh, that can be tracked as an indication that yes, you're actually delivering on the promise of providing a satisfying content experience. Uh, because that is a very powerful signal for Google to use to con- consider who to show high the next time. Yeah, and that really goes hand in hand what we are talking about when we're talking about creating a good product experience with good data. Yes. Because, I mean, the sort of the message that we talk about with our customers is that, you know, 
I mean, one thing is getting your customers onto your web page, and you can get that with sort of paid media and all of other kinds of ways, right? But when they come there, if you don't have your images there, if you have broken images or you maybe only have one image, if they can't find the information they are looking for, they're going to very quickly go to another site. And right. by doing that, they actually also are, are getting worse SEO. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's... It's, we found, especially in B2B, um, it's not enough just for the brand to provide useful information. Um, you've got to provide social proof. You've got to create experience. You know, I'm biased towards this because, you know, experience uh, content is the business we're in. But, you know, if I can go to a product page and it's just got, you know, features and benefits and a product shot and that's it. And I go to another product page and there's actually a, a tool that helped me customize my experience or to calculate something. Or there's a industry expert that I recognize and they're quoted or they've done a demo video and it's embedded into the page as well. Or there's a third-party review uh, information that's available to me. That's much more interesting. That's much more engaging. And why wouldn't Google want to rank that higher um, than something that is just facts? Yeah, absolutely. And to go back and talk about SEO, I mean, we are in special times now, Some sometimes referred to the new normal. And I mean, has that made SEO more or less important today than before? I think it's made it a lot more important. Um, and the reason why is, uh, you know, initially in, in times of crisis, a lot of brands, a lot of companies are not really sure how to change things up, you know? And so... We saw quite a few companies continue to execute what would be called tone deaf marketing. They were performing their marketing as normal. And of course, in these times, no one wants to see that. It's very, um, well, it's not very empathetic. And so more companies did start to, you know, use these sort of token messages of in these challenging times, we're here for you. And we've all got those emails in our inbox and seen those messages and ads. So the, this is creating a problem in terms of ignoring brand communications because it's just too much and it's not really trusted. And people don't trust brands anyway mm. um, to a large degree. So search though, okay. search is sort of a do-it-yourself marketing in a way that meaning that a consumer can pull themselves to solutions on their own terms. Yeah. Um, I guess in the world of SEO, that would be a pun. Um, but they're able to control how they find and discover information at a rate of their own. And we've all heard the statistics um, from serious decisions about B2B buyers pulling themselves through 50, 60, 70, 80% of the sales cycle on their own. And they're doing that with content. So yeah. people are using SEO. Or SEO is important in order for B2B brands to make sure they are present and that they are, as we like to say, the best answer Um wherever customers are looking and more and more customers are using search to find information because the other forms of communication from brands just aren't as engaging. Um, G2 Crowd put out some research that showed of their own website, they saw a 200 to 600% increase in organic referred search uh, between March and April. And they attribute this to an increase in um, search usage by B2B um, buyers and also conductor 
did a study and 63% of people said search would be the most, or SEO, excuse me, SEO would be the most important marketing communicate or marketing um, me- mechanism during the pandemic oh. uh, uh, for many of these reasons. So yeah, the answer is yes, more important. Yeah. And you don't go to conferences, right. you don't go to the physical right. conferences, you don't have as many sales meetings in your calendar, perhaps. Yep. You can't go out maybe to a, a store or, or some other place where you can look at the products. So, so you're doing search. Uh, and I mean, th- that's natural. Yeah. Um, and uh, then, as you say, it's really important that you have your content in, in order in, in order to sort of appear in those searches. But one thing that I've thought about, because I work a lot with syndications, uh, helping our customers to sort of get their products out to marketplaces, uh, the e-tailers, uh, distributors, uh, all kinds of different places on, on the web, also social media channels. But the thing is that in, in, in a quite large extent, you're sending the same information out to all of these places. You have your long description about your products. You send that to Amazon. You send that to Salando, perhaps, and you send that to eBay or what places. And and I know that Google doesn't uh, appreciate the duplicate content. So um, sort of what to do about that? Is is there a solution for that? Yeah. If there was one solution to a thing like that, it would be wonderful. Okay. <laughs> but there's not. Um, so it's not, I don't know that it's so much that Google has a problem with duplicate content. It's just that Google's trying to create a good search experience. And so they want to find the original or the best answer or the canonical answer uh, for what someone is looking for. And if you show seven of the exact same thing, it's just not very satisfying to a consumer Mm. um, because they're looking for diversity. They're looking for that one. And so syndication can be an issue from an SEO standpoint from the perspective of the original content source, the manufacturer or the brand. Um, because if they syndicate their content to other domains, um, let's take, for example, a brand or manufacturer that is not as public and well-known as some of the websites that it syndicates its content to. Yeah, it, it totally could happen that they syndicate their content to these other distribution channels, uh, e-tailers or, or whatever, and those the other domains are so powerful that automat- you know, right away, the, their content now ranks higher. Someone else's uh, website ranks higher than than the brand, and for some brands, that's an issue. Yeah, um, because they sell themselves. You know, they also have an e-commerce platform themselves, and so it uh, uh, cannibalizes their own uh, search visibility to syndicate. Hmm. For other uh, others, it's not an issue because maybe they don't sell, and they're just providing that syndicated information to get in as many places as possible. And then it's really up to the syndication partners to battle it out to see who ranks. And in the end, the manufacturer wins because the the end is making more sales. And what I think is a good opportunity, I I think, I mean, you can't really get away from if if you're going to send your information to 50 places, I mean, you can't write 50 different copy of your text. I mean, that's just too too much. And I mean, there are some ways of, of sorting using some AI services to do to do different flavors. I mean, you could do something with that. Right, right. Probably more in the future, right? So, so otherwise, uh, what you can do is to make sure at least that on your own web page that that is, you know, 
distinct and has sort of maybe your tone of voice or or how do you want to do it so, so your own sort of brand page is not getting cannibalized or punished compared to all the the vast majority of of sort of websites because they they are pulling in information to their platforms anyway yeah yeah if i have if i had a if i'm a manufacturer or brand and i have the expectation that i want to rank for my products and i am also going to syndicate so what do i do Exactly what you're saying. I would make sure that the original source of information is far more robust, far more engaging, and then I'm only taking a percentage of that content and syndicating it out. You know, what's the minimum viable amount of information I need to syndicate in order to make sales through my channel partners? But when people experience in my e-commerce environment, they're getting a full experience. So there's embedded video. There's, again, the, the product reviews are syndicated and other attributes are there that wouldn't necessarily be in the syndication partners. Yeah. And talking about content uh, and all of this, I know that you're working quite a lot with influencers and also B2B influencers. So what is that and how long has this been going on? And could you give some examples just to, you know, but maybe you don't think about it. I mean, you, you think about all of these uh, influencers showing their makeup uh, and all of that, but what is it for B2B? Sure. So most people understand the idea of influencer marketing in terms of consumer. Yeah. Uh, influencers, people who are taking lots of selfies and publishing stories and, you know, posting to Instagram, that sort of thing. And in B2B, there are many influential people. Um, there are many differences. Uh, influencers in B2B actually have to be smart yeah. about <laughs> a particular thing, um, because they'll be easily and quickly vetted out, um, by their peers or the community that they are not really credible. So B2B influencers, um, or B2B influencer marketing is really about the practice of identifying and activating individuals who publish content. They have credibility. They have authority. They have trust amongst a network or community of people. And it's about working with those individuals in a way that is mutually valuable and beneficial, both to the influencer, to the brand, and to consumers, but in a way that is delivers measurable business results. Mm. So in consumer influencer marketing, you often will go to a marketplace, engage influencers to make content for you, and they have basically affiliate codes or attract URLs that drive sales or whatever the brand is after. In B2B, most often, it's about a partnership or collaboration where the brand is publishing content and they get uh, contributions from influencers into an ebook, into a white paper, a case study uh, into blog posts, newsletters, uh, webinars, video chats, podcasts, and so forth. Yeah. So the influencer is adding their expertise to a thing the brand already has. Yeah. And by doing so, it gives the influencer um, instant credibility because they're associated with a brand. And it gives the brand content instant credibility because the outside expert is contributing their point of view. Yeah. That investment in time by the influencer into this brand collaboration project is often inspiration by the influence for the influencer to help make it successful in terms of distribution, social sharing, and that sort of thing. Um, so it's a dynamic and it's a relationship business. It's uh, a lot of it is unpaid in B2B um, because the mutual value and exposure exchange is worth it because the B2B influencers monetize through book sales, paid speaking engagements, consulting and that sort of thing. But increasingly more B2B influencers are paid. Um, here's an example. 
Um, we work with, uh, there's a company called Surewell, uh, software. They're, um, IT service management company and they wanted to increase their credibility around IT service management. What's what they do? They created a report about what the future of this topic will be. But instead of just publishing the report, um, we found 20, uh, industry experts to contribute their advice to an ebook. Okay. And, uh, before we did any of that, we identified, who the segments, customer segments were and who influences those different customer segments? Who influences the CTO, their target prospect? Who influences the director of technology, another one of their prospects? And by looking at those customer segments and identifying what it is, who influences those individuals and where they are influenced, we're able to identify the right people, uh, industry experts to contribute to content to talk about the future of IT service management. Well, as a result of these influencers were super relevant. Uh, they were very excited about sharing the content because together it was very impressive for them to be together in this same content. And it really made them look good. Um, as a result, uh, you know, I'll just jump right, you know, lots of engagement, lots of shares and all that. But this one ca pilot campaign generated 20% uh, percent of all sales pipeline for the entire year. Whoa. And for Surewell USA. And now Surewell Omiya is also implementing the same tactics. This is not normal. <laughs> you should not expect this, but it's pretty awesome. Um, there are other examples where um, a company called Alcatel Lucent Enterprise um, wanted to use working with influencers as a way to connect with prospects. So in other words, they started to look at their uh, prospect list and find out, well, who of them, uh, who of those prospects are actually influential? Um, and created a contest where they uh, wanted to reward or recognize two of their customer segments, IT, uh, IT services communicators and IT service networking people. And so they identified four or five, um, influencer judges, right? These are people who are famous in the industry or very knowledgeable about, um, this topic. And then they had a call for entries to recognize, uh, in the IT service or IT Vanguard awards. Okay. And so lots of nominations were made. Um, they went to their prospect list and asked prospects to nominate themselves or those that they knew. And so they created some really interesting engagement opportunities through this contest for people nominating others and explaining why. And that allowed them to uh, get the judges to identify the winners for the work that they were doing. And then they published an interactive website that honored um, the winners, but also asked the winners to share their expertise yeah. and ba basically made these micro, they're not even technically influencers. They, be they became more influential because they were positioned as, you know, being awarded this recognition and then they shared their expertise. Exactly. And I think it's really interesting what you say that you actually can engage with your prospects. You can engage them, you know, uh, talking about their expertise, because if you're selling a service, I mean, among your prospects, they have a lot of knowledge within the area that you're working with. And also by uplifting them and engaging the whole sort of community of customers and prospects, you can do some really interesting things. Yeah, influencers are not just industry experts. We're all influential about something. And if you think about it, customers are influential, our employees are influential, and absolutely our prospects are influential. Yeah. This particular project for Alcatel Lucent generated millions in new uh, deals 
because the prospects who uh, ended up being awarded, and that was totally organic and natural, awarded um, the IT Vanguard Award, um, were very open to being talked to by sales. I mean, it was a natural, organic conversation. It wasn't pushy, and, and that's what made it successful. You're listening to PIM Talk, the product marketing podcast. And after this short break, we're going to continue talk with Lee Oden about PIM, SEO, content marketing, and B2B influencers. PIM stands for Product Information Management, and InRiver stands for PIM. Want to learn more about how your organization can benefit from PIM software? We've put together a free white paper where you can learn what you need to know about how your e-commerce platform can benefit from PIM. Go to www.pimtalk.com to download a free guide to help you better understand how PIM can work for you. That's www.pimtalk.com. I have sort of a thing that I'm thinking of here uh, when we talk um, about influencers. We also, you know, getting into the area of crowdsourcing a bit because that, that's also one thing when you engage and you, you sort of get content from your customers. I mean, we have sort of um, uh, thought about this, that one one thing in the product information sort of process is not just, uh, you know, uh, creating information yourself, but more and more information is generated online around your product. So it's also about curating that content and maybe reuse it, repurpose it or so. So I don't know if you have any thoughts about that and what challenges that might be if, if you as a company sort of want, want to harvest or use that information in any way. Yeah, it's it's very tempting to, once you identify that there are conversations that are favorable to the brand are happening and it's generated by people that are passionate about the brand, about the, the things that the brand uh, or the product or service has impact on. The, the challenges I think are obviously technologically, how do you at scale harvest that kind of content and curate it? You know, that can be solved. Um, yeah. But you also have to think about rights management because it's one thing to put a call out to your community and invite them to create content. And that's a form of user-generated content where you are creating a program and an environment in which they can contribute. So there the context is within your brand and it would be a, it's part of the agreement that you will then use what they submit, whether it's a contest or a challenge um, as user-generated content. It's another thing to go out onto the web and scrape or crawl it and then curate it because then you know, different countries may have different rules about that sort of thing. So yeah. um, if you can find the technology that can properly manage that from a rights management standpoint, I think it could be very, very beneficial. Yeah. So we have some questions actually in the chat. So we have Larry here. He, he wondered if you have any advice for marketers on how to touch on COVID without sounding like they are exploiting it or, or should you avoid it overall? Um, I don't think you should avoid it. I think you have to really think about what, how is this impacting your customers? What has changed uh, about their life uh, as a business or as individuals relative to your products or services? Um, virtually all answers uh, to uncertainty when it comes to marketing are 
are are are derived from understanding your customers. I think. Um, yeah. And so if you find that you know they're you may find that you have to pivot a little bit, maybe even the actual product or service you deliver. Um, certainly you may have to pivot to be more empathetic with the messaging that you have. Like I'll say for, for an example, on our site, we used to just talk about, you know, content marketing, influencer marketing, SEO. Yeah. And now we're talking about, you know, here's um, remote tips on remote work. Here are project management tips for remote work. Um, here's how to um, inspire your team. Um, when you're working remotely, um, here's how to do marketing or here's how to measure marketing differently in a time of crisis. You know, so thinking about how has their, think about how your customer's life or how they do work has changed and can you be a source of useful information to them in that situation? That's what I would think about. Yeah, I mean, it's all about being relevant, right? Yes, so, of course. So if something has changed, if it affects the business, I mean, that's okay. But if it's just, you know, clickbait, then it's just, you know, no, uh, have, have the, uh, a negative impact. And we also have a question here from you, Juan. And how does speech-to-text services like Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant affect SEO? Sure. This is a really great question because the number of keywords in a query have gone up significantly. Yeah. Um, and so really, um, we have, there's an expression I used before called be the best answer. And that is a strategy for handling content and especially optimized content where you're really thinking about what are the questions that buyers are asking. So increasingly people are talking into a devices and their behavior is translated from those mobile devices into search. So in other words, it used to be that I would type in an obscure string of keywords on Google on my desktop to find what I was looking for. And today, now I just type a question because that's what I'm saying into my devices. Yeah. Um, and so it's important to understand what those questions are um, in order to architect the content that will deliver the answers. Yeah. Whether you expect those answers to be surfaced through a, a, a mobile device or whether through a, a search through desktop or some other means. Yeah, and I mean, it's quite cool. So my youngest daughter, she's nine, and, and she, she really, you know, interacts with Siri, asking Siri quite complex questions that actually, you know, through Wikipedia and, and other sort of sources, she can get an answer to. So, mm. so she can actually figure out a lot of things her, herself. And I mean, um, I, I don't want to say maybe thank God, but, you know, if we, we would have, you know, Amazon here, which we might have very soon here in Sweden as, as well, she would have ordered a lot, I think, of stuff <laughs> so far, right? Yeah. You mentioned VR uh, in the beginning here when we you talked about sort of influencers and content and so on. So, yeah. so what have you been doing in relation to that or do you have any thoughts? Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of B2B companies have user conferences and they want to create even bigger, better experiences for their customers. And SAP wanted to do that for their Sapphire conference. So we created a virtual reality environment um, where um, not only were brand executives inside the virtual reality environment. So it wasn't, you know, this is a very... Um, you know, pilot type of initiative, right? So it wasn't like um, you had people in real time interacting with each other type of environment. Um, it was like a virtual reality ebook, if you will. So you spawn, okay. you spawn at the center of a, a world where there's blue skies above and buildings all around and there's water. You're in a pool, but uh, there are walkways. And at the endpoints of the walkways are uh, 
sort of uh, an exhibit, if you will, where there's a screen and the inf- there are uh, an array of influencers, heads floating and, and topics. So you could engage with those topics and then their video or the audio would play with that influencer actually talking to you and giving you a, uh, an opinion or some facts or best practices around that particular topic. You could walk back, go to another endpoint, experience a different topic. Okay. And at the, where you spawn, there was an executive from the brand of SAP kind of explaining the context for the whole thing. Yeah. So initially this was was a web-friendly but uh, sort of thing. And of course, bandwidth issues are something to deal with with virtual reality. So it became the most successful as uh, an exhibit at the conference, um, physical conference, um, where people would come put on the VR goggles and, you know, people were taking – the influencers were there as well that were actually in the experience. They were physically there taking video of senior executives and attendees experiencing this content. So it's kind of funny – in a way, videos of the people experiencing the virtual reality uh, content were as interesting and socially viral <laughs> as the content itself, um, just because it was a different sort of thing. Yeah, so so I've uh, you know jumped into VR, and of course, it's perfect time to do that. I have the Oculus Quest from Facebook that is a standalone unit, so you don't need to have any cables, you don't need to have any sensors or anything you can just jump in there and 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 you're there and and also i mean a lot of companies they had to cancel or or change their conferences so right. uh, that happens to HTC and they were doing sort of their their um, their developer conference and they are doing some of the high end sort of headsets yeah so I actually went up 4 a.m. in the morning to join that conference in virtual reality which was uh, really cool uh, and also just you know walk around in the lobby trying to engage with people i know i saw a group of people at the distance and you know i sneaked up and tried to you know, join the conversation and so and and i mean getting that physical uh presence as as well uh, was really cool and another thing that i mean for certain kind of products it's it's also you know when you want to have that 3d you want to take a look uh, at something zoom in and so on it, it's really cool for that kind of of physical products i think so i think we will see that and i think also it's interesting i mean from a pin perspective whether you have all of that product information and maybe you also sort of have 3d images of your products how you sort of can create virtual showrooms mm-hmm. and, and so uh, with that so i'm also looking forward what can be in that area in the future. Yeah, I've seen some really interesting things from both Adobe and SAP in terms of um, how to use virtual reality to look at dashboards, um, to look at product, to dynamically recommend products, uh, and, and, and that sort of thing. It's interesting what's ahead. Yeah. So I think we have reached sort of, uh, we've done half an hour here. So I really enjoyed talking to you, Lee. Oh, it was great. Went by fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We could probably talk... Uh, a lot longer, but I don't know. Is there uh, where can if someone wants to engage with you, where can you be found on the internet? Well, you can certainly find us. Uh, our company website is Top Rank Marketing T O P R A N K Marketing dot com. Um, we also publish a blog that has been publishing since two thousand and three, so a uh, long time blog um, covering many of the topics, best practices uh, around content search, social, and influencer marketing. We just concluded our first ever. Data collection for the first ever B2B influencer marketing study, and that report will be coming out in June. 
um, what we've been able to identify is uh, it's it's a framework, really. What we're asking is top uh, B2B brands who are managing influencer programs to answer really in-depth questions about how they're uh, what strategies they're following, what tactics they're using, how are they finding influencers, their top challenges, how are they budgeting, what are their predictions for the future, all the things you'd want to know um, around the idea of influencer marketing when it comes to B2B. Yeah. So I'm excited about it. All right. And also to everyone uh, sort of on the air here, um, we're going to continue with these live PIM talks. And I'm actually going to schedule a time every week where we're going to be live. It will most certainly be Thursday afternoon, 4.30 CST. So then I will be live. Either we're going to do a PIM talk recording like this that will also be out in a podcast format, or we will do a Q&A or something else fun. So you can expect the same time, the same day of the week, being online. And uh, I hope that we will do a lot of cool things together and have more interesting guests. But it was a really pleasure to have you, Lee, uh, as the first guest here on Pimp Talk, the, the live stream. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Thomas. It was great. Absolutely. So uh, see you around. All right, I'm happy to introduce you to Nikki Lilja, our Knowledge and Community Manager. Welcome, Nikki, to PIM Talk. Hi, Thomas. Thank you so much. Yeah, so my idea is that to bring you on the show to, to give, give a tip to, uh, to our customers and partners from you know, our Knowledge Bank and our uh, community, community forums and so on. So what do you have for us this week? So this week, my community tip that I want to share with all of you is to check out the new community highlight piece. This is a monthly community roundup where we're highlighting all the juicy stuff that is going on and all the interesting uh, discussions happening. We saw that, I mean, we've seen that there's so many uh, people that are being very active and community members every month. And we're also being very uh, active internally in creating a lot of uh, knowledge articles and tips and tricks to our customers and partners. In May alone, we had 50 new knowledge articles to our uh, customers and partners. And I think this is a fantastic number that we want to share with everyone in our community. Also to mention is that this community highlight is actually highlighting all of our community members as well, because there are so many members that are in there that are passionate and very active, that are sharing their experiences and helping others. So maybe you will be highlighted. So check it out. Yeah. And where can you find it? You can find it in the news and announcements section on Service Center. And if you go in and follow that section, you will be able to get a notification each time it's published. Sounds perfect. So thank you, Nikki. And uh, you'll be back uh, next episode with something new from the community. Right now, it seems like it's still going to be a while before we can meet on any physical events but uh, until then we have a number of webinars and you can always go into river.com in the about section and then events to see upcoming things and uh, we have webinars we have a regular demo webinar that you can sign up for and we also have other partner webinars coming up so check that site out for the latest information and uh, besides that, we also have our academy courses. Uh, you can go our preparatory course online on yourselves. And then also we are setting up remote sessions for both business consultant and developer trainings. And they will be the 8th uh, to 12th of June. So if you're interested in those courses, go and sign up also on the website uh, at InRiver. 
Thank you for listening. For feedback, tips, and questions, you can email us at pimtalk@inriver.com or message us at pimtalkpodcast at Twitter. Please, if you like the show, go into iTunes and give us a good review. And if you would like to see some behind-the-scenes material, bloopers, and live streams, you can follow Pimtalk on Instagram. See you again in two weeks. Bye. Let's talk about him.